Monday, September 14th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Another great weekend of NBA basketball. The NBA playoffs are well and truly crazy. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say underway, but it's been honestly crazy. Two rounds in, we got some crazy series. Um, we're going to be talking about um, the preview of the Eastern Conference Finals today. And I was going to talk about the Western Conference Finals preview today, but a certain team is trying to halt the plans at that. So we're going to be talking about that as well. We're going to be talking about some um, coaching decisions and also some comments made from a co- former players. So this is going to be an action-filled episode, and I cannot wait to talk talk basketball again. So that's what's going to be coming up. But before we get into this podcast, hopefully all you have, all of you are having a great day, and thank you for taking time out of your day to watch this or listen to this if you're on the podcast networks. But since I have you here, I have to do my quick plugging. If you want to um, support the pod on any of the social media platforms, remember, at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content. And then if you're listening to this on any of the podcast networks, you know, um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, all those links can be found in the bio in my bio. But if you're here already, you know, if you're on Apple, five-star review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Podbean, download, follow, like. That'd be very much appreciated. And of course, you know, Anchor and Spotify listeners, I love you guys as well. And of course, if you're watching this on the good old YouTube channel, well, hello. And secondly, remember to like, share, and subscribe um, to keep supporting the pod. So yeah, we got all that stuff out the way. Let us get right into some NBA basketball talk. And I'm going to start where it hits most for me. Because the Toronto Raptors are now eliminated from the NBA playoffs. And because they lost to the Boston Celtics Friday night, 92-87 in Game 7. Heartbreaking loss for Toronto Raptor fans. But congratulations to the Celtics. You know, they played their hearts out this series. And the Raptors, you know, um, tested them to the absolute limit. And even in the last game, you know, it looked like um, the Celtics were the much better team. But the Raptors kept pushing them, even though they weren't playing their best. And it honestly was a fight to the end of the game. So you can't say that we didn't go down without a fight. They, the Raptors definitely did. But also congratulations to the Celtics for getting the victory. But, you know, we got to talk about, you know, Game 7. Um, it just wasn't a great game for the Raptors. I mean, I'm going to talk about this quickly. It wasn't really um, very convincing. I don't know how we got to, like, that um, small of a deficit at the end of the game. The fact that um, we were even at a one-possession game um, with about 30 seconds left when Grant Williams in the free, at the free-throw line, the fact that we were even in that scenario shocks me. But that just shows that the Raptors are just super resilient and... The Celtics are a talented team, but they still had to, you know, fight for everything um, to win the series from the Raptors. And I think the best way, like the best, you know, highlight to kind of encompass that is Jason Tatum going for that rebound with 30 seconds left. Norman Powell didn't box out, but Jason Tatum wanted that ball in his hands at the end of um, at the end of the game to um, seal the game. And you, and that's what leaders do. Jason Tatum wasn't even at the like like one of those guys boxing out at the like, in the paint. He was at the three-point line, ran in there, jumped for it, hit the floor, and honestly, like, you can't 
um, fault him for that. That guy um, fought hard in the series, and you could just tell the raw emotion after the game where he was just smiling. He was, like, pumping his fist. He, he knew that this was going to be a major W in his career, which it was, honestly. It, um, the Celtics played really well. If you just go up and down the roster... I mean, Jason Tatum was the best player in this series, but Marcus Smart was absolutely phenomenal here as well. Jalen Brown had his moments. He he was actually the leading scorer of a game, of a few games there. Kemba Walker, although had a rough last couple of games in the series, was absolutely um, just like, good at steadying the ship when he needed to. Even just some of like the you know the periphery players, such as um, Daniel Tice, was good in spurts. Brad Wanamaker hit some threes. I, just, I gotta shout out all these Celtics. I mean, they, at certain points, I mean, you, just certain players killed them. Even people like Grant Williams, who in Game Seven, you know, didn't play much in the series, but came in, had some, um, some great defensive effort, and honestly, like he defended that final Fred Van Vliet three extremely well in order to close the game. So, you know, you got you got to talk about the top guys for the Celtics, but the other guys, you know. Helped out a lot, and honestly, like you can like look at those top guys and say they're the reason for the winning, but it was a collective team effort, and I definitely applaud them for that. Uh, obviously, there's like some things after the game, you know, Marcus Smart saying he's the king of the north and stuff like that, but you know, you just got to respect that. The whole thing with Marcus Smart for me is that people will hate him if, if he's on the opposite team, but honestly, I love this guy. Even like him like talking about king of the north and stuff, I'm just like he's got to nod in your head and like, okay, you got this one. We still have the championship, but you st- um, go like his championship, but you still got this one. And we'll let him have his moment. Um, Marcus Smart is just a fantastic player. Honestly, like I said, the second best player in the series. He's been awesome. Um, great to see him succeed after, you know, um, you know, I don't know if you know his story. This guy has got has been through a lot of tragi- tragedy in his life. I urge you to check out his story. And I'm just glad, you know, people like him, you know, Finally, like, got that big contract in the NBA and now is making the most of it. So, you know, good job for the Celtics. Hopefully they do well come the Heat playoff series, which we'll be discussing later on. But I don't have to talk about the Toronto Raptors. And most importantly, what's next for this team? I mean, there's a lot of question marks, especially going to free agency. Um, lots of free agents on the market, including Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, Marcus Gasol, Serge Ibaka, just to name a few. And, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen here. What is the plan for Masai Jiri? I definitely trust him, like, with our team going forward. But with all these guys, you know, coming off the books, who to kit? Who do we keep? Who do we let go? It's going to be some tough decisions, especially because a lot of these guys have become fan favorites in the Raptors organization. With, um, you know, people like Norman Powell, who we drafted, Fred Van Vliet. Like, are we going to be able to afford all these guys is really the question and even people like Serge Ibaka even though he's like over 30 years of age he still has a lot of juice left in his game and he's gonna want a lot of money Marc Gasol although he's not gonna want like get as much money as he has like over the last few years he's still gonna want something because he is you know has that reputation so who do we keep and who do we sell like I'm gonna talk about kind of like what I think they should do like come off season time but right now it's just more of like you know as a Raptor fan I just it just sucks to see like it end like like so like this quickly. I was hoping for a longer run. I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed about. I mean, great season, defied all expectations, all that good stuff. But it just sucks, you know, it has to end because we've me as a Raptor fan. I know I'm speaking for myself, but I think a lot of um, Raptor fans can concur with me that 
you know, we, we've gone like a deep connection with these guys, especially like people like Van Vliet who have been through our G League system. Yes, he won a G League championship with us, um, came up, won an NBA championship, had a fantastic, you know, series against the Warriors and all that. And seeing all these guys like come up, knowing that, um, you know, all the all the stuff they've been through with us, and now they're going to be a free agent. I mean, it kind of hurts, but that's just the nature of the business. And these guys, they deserve to get paid. Kyle Lowry even talked about it in his post-game interview where he basically said, uh, you know, he wanted this run to be longer because he loves this group of guys, talking about, you know, Freddie, Norm, and all that. And he talked about in that post-game interview, like, he, he wants them to get paid. He wants them to take care of themselves. But he, you could just tell in the nature of his voice that he, um, that he knew that, you know, with the cap situation and all that, um, it's, it's going to be near impossible to keep all of them. I mean, I would still like to keep at least three out of four of them. Um, most importantly, you know, Fran Vliet and Ibaka. But it's going to be tough. It's still going to be tough. Especially if Raptors want want to have, you know, the chance to get Giannis down the line in 2021. So, I mean, I'm not a GM. I'm not, you know, that type of guy. But I know I trust him Masai. He's done, like, good things for us in the, like, in the past. Like, there's no reason not to trust him. But at the same time, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be tough, um, you know, seeing some of these guys go. And, you know, like, a, one of the biggest reasons why, like, a lot of, like, we can't, like, bring back a lot of these guys has to do with Pascal Siakam's contract. And that's where we're going to transition to now. Um, Pascal Siakam has gotten a lot of flack during this playoffs. Um, not playing well whatsoever and any of these like playoff games and to be honest the entire bubble he hasn't been himself and you know looking back at it like if you like really want to like look back look back like to one the season like had fans and stuff back in like March and, and like and all that like Siakam hasn't been himself for a long time now I mean after his um December injury um in his ankle he kind of like starting to slow down it kind of halted his momentum and he hadn't like really like um, was able to you know capture the um, height um, the magic that he had in the first you know f- six seven weeks of the season, and yes he's become an all star starter in that and all that but um, he's definitely like still trying to transition to a number one role. Being so, like if you really just think about it, I mean Siakam went from you know the twenty seventh overall pick. He did not play basketball until the age of seventeen. He got. They're based on pure athleticism, like as a raw prospect, developed his NBA skill, became a role player with the Raptors, won a championship in the D League with them, gets a chance um, last year. Like he wasn't even supposed to be a starter, mind you. Remember, if you if Raptor fans remember, it was supposed to be Ibaka in, in Valanciunas in the front court to start off the season. But Nick Nurse wanted to try something, thought it would be better to add this guy. You know, he he showed some promise, but like. He didn't know like what he's gonna get like the most out of him, if he was gonna be able to, and he did. I mean, Pascal was given the chance by Nick Nurse, and he took it. One most improved player that year, and then this year improved even more. Like people are bashing him for his bad playoff series, and he completely reasonable, completely reasonable. He's been he was absolutely horrible, but people forget that he was the reason why we got there in the first place. Him averaging twenty three points this year, over seven rebounds. Um, being the player he is on both ends of the floor, performing enough to be an all-star starter was a big reason why the Raptors were the second-best team in the East. 
And I think a lot of people are dismissing that. Um, like, he is getting flamed heavy, and if I'm Pascal Siakam, I would not look at social media um, for the next few days. Just, it would be better for his mental health. And it's just like one of those things where you look at his contract, you look at what he does in the playoffs, and you're like, oh, man, this guy doesn't, like, he's not ready for this. He's not a number one guy. Why do we give him this contract? But I want Raptor fans to slow down. Siakam has proved time and time again that he's has a work ethic to improve his game. He has that um, that um, good move and the spin move. But a lot of Raptor players are like, is that it? Like Raptor fans are like, is that all you have? Siakam's going to add something. Kyle Lowry talked about it in his postgame that um, back when um, the Raptors got swept by the Wizards, um, he talked about how he looked at every headline, every, like good or bad, and he took it all in and used that as motivation going forward. And I think that Pascal Siakam is going to take all this hate, take all these articles that are saying, like, is he, is he worth the contract? Is he, did the Raptors make a mistake with um, paying him too early? And he's going to take that. And he's going to use that as motivation to move forward. And I'm going to need a lot of Raptor fans to, like, tr- trust, um, to trust, I, I don't want to take a 76 or but trust the process here with Siakam. Watching him early in his career, it was extremely frustrating because he would turn the ball over. He kind of, like, was very indecisive and all that. And seeing him go to today, like, it's honestly, like, something I would never expect if you asked me three years ago. But now he's here. we got to give him some time. Being a number one guy, taking the pedestal of someone like a Kawhi Leonard, and you just got to, like, trust that he's going to be able to um, figure it out. This is, the f- this is not even the first year of his long-term contract. He will figure things out. I believe that. I've seen Siakam work hard in the gym, like, throughout the offseason. This guy goes to freaking runs with LeBron James, KD, and all that. This guy just knows how to work. And he's got to trust Siakam that maybe in, an, in one or two years, I could maybe these fans are right. He's not the one guy. But I'm going to trust that Siakam... Is gonna work hard and at least try to like learn from his, his his mistakes here, and the stuff about you know his contract not good enough, that's something we can do, judge three or four years into it. Right now, Siakam has gone through a rough spell, but I think, um, and I think the Raptors trust us as well that he is going to fix his game and get better. I mean, he, a lot of fans like are gonna look at this obviously and say you know like it's this league is about what you give me now. But you also gotta look at how we're gonna, how we got there. And Siakam was a huge part of that. So, yeah, let's stop with the Siakam slander. I know he played bad, but hopefully, you know, I trust that he will definitely get better after this. So, tough loss for the Raptors in general. But, um, you know, I just feel like you know, as a Raptor fan, I would be a lot more upset if there, I felt like there was something against us. But this year, nothing really. The Raptors, the Celtics, won it fully deserved. Hopefully, um, good luck for them in the um, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And the Raptors, let's see how they're going to be able to bounce back after this defeat. Speaking of the Eastern Conference Finals, let's talk about and preview what's going to happen in this matchup. Because we have the fifth-seeded Miami Heat taking on the third-seeded um, Boston Celtics. And apparently, like I heard, I saw this stat, I believe it was on Bleacher Report or something, or on Twitter... This is the first time in the modern playoff era where there is, um, um, I think it was 16 teams in, per conference. Or, like, I think it's, like, after 1980 or something. Like, it's not, like, like a, that big of a 
pool, like before, you know, with the whole like Will Chamberlain and stuff like that. This is the first team, first time in modern history, playoff history, that neither the number one or two seed is going to be in the Eastern Conference Final, which is absolutely crazy. And this is what we have this year because, I mean, it's a weird scenario being part of this bubble and they're just creating Cinderella stories like with this Miami Heat team. And now they're facing off against the Celtics, who are probably on a on a good high right now after defeating the defending champs. And I think there's going to be a very interesting series. You know, it's going to be another crazy close one. Um, the Celtics, obviously, I still see them as having, like, the better shot makers and all that, having that advantage over the Heat. But the Heat, man, just like the Raptors, they have those, like, Raptor-type tendencies to never give up, never um, lay down. And they honestly have a solid cast as well. You know, they also have the work ethic, they have the big man advantage, and they also have, you know, um, a good mix of, you know, youth and veteran players there. But I think the young guys in the Miami Heat here are going to be tested by the Celtics. When you have people like Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart leading your defense, and you're, they have to defend people like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, it's going to be tough on them. And I think this is going to be one of the harder defensive matchups they're going to have to face in the playoffs. This is going to be the biggest test for them. And, you know, like I said, the Celtics are battle-tested. They just defeated the defending champs. They went to seven games in what could be said as a extremely hard-fought series. And I think that this is just going to carry over, like, this confidence that they have in them in this series. And like I said, you know, Miami, just like Toronto, extremely hard-working, has a great work ethic. But at the end of the day, in terms of my t- prediction, I got to go with the Celtics, man. I just got to. I just trust their shot-making more when the game really matters. And look, I think Miami has better shot makers than Toronto. They got Jimmy Butler, they got Goran Dragic, and they have just more reliable three-point shooting than people like Duncan Robinson. And honestly, I would rather have people like Iggy like running the point like late in games as well. But when you look at the Celtics and you just see that you have these guys, um, four guys who, are, who could possibly go for 20 points any night, and with the, um, the imminent return of Gordon Hayward, which probably is going to be the series, which I think that's the report. I just think the Celtics are going to win this. And again, it's going to be another hard-fought series. But I just got to go with the Celtics here. I, I, Butler is going to help like, with the whole like late game um, issues for the Heat. But the Celtics just have too many guys at the end of the game that can hit a shot. And I just trust them when it comes down to it eventually. And like I said, it's going to be extremely close. But here... I gotta say Celtics in six. I'll say that. Celtics in six. I um like I said, the confidence is there. You have the guys there. But the Miami Heat, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they won this either. They're they just defeated the best um record in the best team in the NBA who had the best record over the last two years. So it's gonna be it's just gonna be a really interesting series. Especially, like, it's going to see, like, how people, like, how, you know, people like Tyler Hero is going to respond to be, um, to this really good Celtic team. And let's see if Jimmy Butler can actually, like, lead his team to the finals. Because that's going to just change the whole narrative that even though Jimmy Butler is, like, a good, you know, leader and all that, is he that type of guy to lead him to the finals? This can change the whole narrative that if they win this series. So, yeah, um, the Heat have some, like, has some advantages over the Celtics, but... I still have the Celtics to win this in six. But, you know, they're in Disney. They're in Orlando. And it feels like, you know, the, the, the magic is in the air. And um, 
it feels like you know the Miami Heat have kind of like got into the ball are trying to head to the ball and I think that maybe this could be you know their Cinderella story their moment so I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way but I'm just hoping for a really good series yeah that is um it for my Eastern Conference predictions leave your um predictions in the comment section below or even in the comment section of my Instagram if you um catch it there just leave your predictions for the Eastern Conference Finals but yeah before we get into the Western Conference stuff um, here's a here's a nice little promo for a great podcast you should listen to. If you love the NBA and you want more basketball content, check out the Association Situation Podcast. The AS Podcast is your source for all things NBA, for playoff updates, player rankings, heated discussion, and fiery takes. Check out Matt and Tom on the Association Situation Podcast anywhere where you get your podcasts. You can find them at ASNBA podcast on social media now let's get into the west um playoff picture because there's a lot of things to talk about there as well we're gonna start with the lakers houston series in which the lakers dominated they went 4-1 over the houston rockets and they close out the series in convincing fashion winning 119 to 96 um you can talk about how the lakers you know i talked about in the past they're just a better team than the rockets um the whole thing about, you know, the small ball just not working for the Rockets, especially in the series, has come to fruition because they have lost rebounding battle after rebounding battle. And honestly, they just looked drained. They looked absolutely drained. James Harden had a good game five, but no one else came to help him. I mean, Russell Westbrook had 10 points on like 15 shots, which is crazy. And it's just a rough end to another, honestly, underwhelming season for the Houston Rockets. They went into this, you know, going with the small ball thing. And after winning game one, you know, a lot of people started chiming in on Twitter. There was even this big article going around saying, look, if the Houston Rockets win the series, big men better beware because because this could start like a whole new trend in the NBA. Like centers like JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, um, Rudy Gobert, they're going to become less and less valuable, especially if the Rockets win the series. But they didn't. The Lakers showed their dominance on both ends of the floor, and they were able to win this series convincingly. And which I thought, you know, the, the Rockets were going to, you know, take this to seven games, and then the Lakers would win. But I was completely wrong on that one. I completely missed. And now um, the whole narrative has switched from, is small ball going to work, to is James Harden the type of leader you want on a playoff basketball team? And that's what we're going to talk about here. Because... They've made it, they, uh, over the last three years, the Houston Rockets have made pushes in the playoffs. Three, three years ago, you got to remember, that was the peak of their success. Western Conference Finals took the Warriors to Game 7, and they honestly probably would have won if Chris Paul didn't get injured. That's, the, um, that's just the plain truth about that. They probably would have won that. But over the last two years especially, that has been highly disappointing. Last year... They had another chance against the Warriors, especially without a, I believe it was a healthy Steph or KD, like one of them were not healthy throughout, and they still, and they didn't put up as much of a fight as they did the year before. This year comes, they face the Lakers, they go all in on the small ball lineup, they traded Clint Capella away, brought in Robert Covington, and they told PJ Tucker, you know, be our center, be that guy, and it worked in the regular season, but come playoff time... They just had no match for the Lakers. 
And now we go on to James Harden because, like I said, we're going to be talking about him a lot in this topic. And really the big question with him is that is his play style, um, tr- does his play style translate to playoff success? And over the last few years, I can confidently say that it has not. Um, he says that they are a piece away, but it feels like they've been a piece away for years now. And when you see like the Rockets making these type of moves and stuff like that, Sure, you know, there are some advanced analytics and all that. He tries to play the percentages. And so in the last few years, it honestly hasn't worked. But then, like I did with the Bucks, you have to kind of look at the um, certain areas that say, why hasn't this gone well? And here I'm talking about James Harden. And I think, you know, the best way to describe, you know, James Harden's impact on the Rockets is from a Kobe interview last year because um, this um, clip was... Um, surfing around Twitter, around Instagram, as, like, in his thoughts about James Harden and the Houston Rockets. He basically put that, look, James Harden, fantastic NBA player, one of the best scorers in NBA history, but his game just is not winning basketball, Kobe said. And he talks about, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, like, you just cannot have, like, that solo guy, you know, do everything. He, James Harden is their best assist man. He's their best three-point shooter. He's like their the guy that attacks for him all the time. They helped they brought Russell Westbrook to help him in that regard, you know, with the ball handling duties. But that hasn't really worked out. I mean, he's had a few Westbrook games like in this in this bubble, but not enough for them to you know be confident in like the trade that they pulled off for him. But yeah, back to James Harden. Over the last three years, he has been you know, top three, top two MVP candidate, winning one MVP in the process. And that just shows, you know, he is a great regular season player. And Kobe talks about that because the way the Rockets are constructed, Harden, like I said, does a lot. He does, like, a lot of things good on that basketball court. And like Kobe said, the Rockets need him to do what he's doing to even do well in the regular season because, um... The whole offense is revolved around him, and they go as he goes. If you take um, James Harden off that team, they don't even make the playoffs. They don't even sniff it. Let's be completely honest. A Westbrook-led team with this cast is just not going to make the playoffs. But the thing about this this James Harden thing is that when you go into the playoffs, it's just not winning basketball. What he does helps the Rockets to get to that point. It helps raise the floor. But he doesn't raise the ceiling for the Rockets. And that is really the big thing here with um, James Harden. Because the last few... I mean, like, there's just lots of stats going around just showing his inefficiency and all that. I mean, eight times in his playoff career, he has shot under 20% from the field. Like, and then they show that, you know, some guys haven't even, like, gone close to that. And if he wants to be mentioned among the all-time greats, he needs to show... um, success in the playoffs and he just hasn't done that and I think a lot of like I mean obviously they're not going to trade him and all that but the Rockets are going to have to change their principle at some point I mean this whole three-point shooting thing all the time this whole small ball thing clearly hasn't worked and you know James Harden is like um it's just not going to take you guys to the next level you're going to need to bring in someone else you're gonna have to kind of change your philosophy and try something else because it just hasn't been working. And James Harden is honestly at the center of that. And although he is a fantastic player, like I said, a I've talked about in the past, he's basically a top five player, borderline. But it's just not enough 
to like mention him like among the all-time greats. He just needs to be better in the playoffs. And you could already tell the Rockets are um are already like moving in a different direction. Then Mike D'Antoni has this is going to be a nice transition to this next topic because Mike D'Antoni um announced on um, I think it was like an interview with like one of the NBA reporters that he will not be returning to the Rockets and will be a free agent coach um, this coming offseason. He released a statement alongside his wife saying that they um, um, maybe this is like they will see each other again with the Rockets, but right now he is going to be a free agent. And you know he had some good years. Like I said, they went to the conference finals, took Golden State to the absolute limit, but the last two years highly under un- underwhelming. And a lot of people would say, if, it, if the small ball lineup's going to work, it's going to work with a Mike D'Antoni-led team. And clearly it hasn't. And the Rockets have a lot of questions going into the offseason. Like, what are they going to do with Westbrook? What are they going to do with the rest of this roster? Are they going to go small ball again next year? Because they have so many contracts you know, tied up in James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Eric Gordon. I believe there's like over or near $100 million a year wrapped up in those three players. And they just kind of have to deal with it. I mean, they just kind of have to, they might have to go back and, you know, run it back with the small ball lineup. But it's going to be extremely tough to see how they're going to, like, find success again. Because let's be honest, they're going to give us hope again in the regular season. They're going to be like, oh, the small ball lineup works. These teams can't handle it. But then come playoff time, it always seems like to be the cycle with the Rockets. And I don't see it ending anytime soon. Whether it's because James Harden can't take him to the next level, whether it's Russell Westbrook's, um, you know, deficiencies, whether it's you know just a small ball lineup not working, there's just so many factors here that can like lead to their downfall. And if show they've shown us like year after year that this is just going to keep on happening, and I have no hope. Like no, I'm not going to say no hope, but just, I'm just not confident that this, that they're going to be able to, you know, take it to the next level next year unless there's like some crazy change. So. We're going to have to see what the Rockets do in the offseason because the Lakers absolutely outclassed them in the series. And let's just see like how they're going to be able to deal with um, all these you know, moving pieces and stuff like that. Let's see what the Rockets are going to do. Well, they're going to look completely different, honestly. I'm like, I, I don't know like what they're going to plan to do, but it's going to be extremely different, honestly, come next season. And if not, expect them to you know, be in the same position, really. We're going to move on to the next series, and we're going to be talking about the Clippers Nuggets, in which, man, this series has been hella, hella entertaining, because the Clippers went up 3-1 in the series, looked like they are going to um, cruise through and go to the West Conference Finals, just as everyone has expected, but these last two games, man, the Nuggets have come through in a big way. The Clippers got to like these early leads. In Game 3, it was a 16-point lead. That they had max today it was a 19 um, yesterday was a 19 point lead and the Nuggets just, just seem to be so resilient especially when their backs are against the wall they've had five games already in this playoffs that are elimination games and they're five and oh <laughs> like these guys just play so well like when their backs are against the wall it's ridiculous Nikola Jokic has been great um, throughout, especially these last two games. Jamal Murray has been finding his groove. People like Gary Harris have been hitting shots. MPJ, after those comments, has actually gotten more shots. Like, it's just been a crazy turn of events. And now we sit here at 3-3. And like I said, the Clippers had a 
chance to take full advantage of the series. And honestly, they've just choked it away. Like they just, they just seem to like just let the foot off the gas pedal at the end of the game, and they just last game they couldn't find any offense, and they just cannot stop the Nuggets like on like offense as well at the end of the game. Like their defense hasn't been like up to par as well. You know, but you got to give a lot of credit to Nuggets. They started off super slow, like not just this series, the Utah series, and they, like I said, they've just been able to bounce back. Twenty, like in this series alone, if Jamal Murray scores twenty plus points, they're getting a W, and Jokic is showing he's the best center in the league. And it just feels like you know, besides Kawhi, there's no really consistent performer from the Clippers. Paul George has had good games here and there, but he hasn't lived up to that second star moniker. Lou Williams has been okay, but he hasn't been the Lou Williams that we've been accustomed to. Trez isn't really putting up big numbers and all that. And now they find themselves 3-3. And, you know, the um, everyone is expecting this Battle of L.A. to happen in the Western Conference Finals. It felt like it was basically... Um, a guarantee, especially when, when both teams went up 3-1 in the series. And now the the Nuggets have become this wild card that who could just throw a spatter into the worst to this possible dream playoff matchup, which is absolutely crazy. And like I said, they've done this through just pure will and determination. I've complained in the past about the defensive effort. These last two games, especially late, they were able to just lock down and you know play fantastic defense. Like I said yesterday in the recap, the the, the Nuggets outscored the Clippers yesterday, sixty-four to thirty-five in the second half. Clippers can get anything going. The Nuggets just looked absolutely fantastic on both ends. And now in Game Seven, uh, it can go either way. It can really go either way. Um, the Clippers, I still have think they have the advantage just because of their talent and kind of how their team is constructed. But like I said, this Nuggets team is just a huge wild card. And if they can get themselves going like they did against the Nuggets, I'm sorry, against the Jazz, or just like these last two games, it's gonna be another it's gonna be another tough series for this Clippers. And everyone's like, you know, the Clippers just cannot um, catch a break at any point in their franchise history. I'm still surprised that the Lob City Clippers has not made to the conference finals. And they haven't done so like in their franchise history yet. And it feels like, you know, they're choking again. <laughs> they're choking this away. And it's going to be absolutely crazy to see if the Nuggets are going to be able to complete two um, 3-1 comebacks. Because it's going to be crazy. No team has done it ever before in the NBA. Let's see if the Nuggets are going to be able to do it. Because it's going to be absolutely crazy. They just have a lot of good weapons here. Certain guys are giving them... Um, they have like just so many guys to give them like just good contributions. Whether it's Monty Morris, Torrey Craig, Gary Harris... Um, Michael Porter, Paul Millsap, just these guys like to help out Jamal Murray and Jokic as well throughout the series has been absolutely a joy to watch. And the Clippers, I mean, they're just giving us like, I mean, a lot of people are not liking it because of the way they go about things, but it it feels like you know it, the Clipper curse is under is is going against them again, and in what seemed like to be a guaranteed out battle of LA matchup. It could definitely like look a lot different come um, tomorrow night. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this game unfolds. And I'm extremely excited to see how it goes. But yeah, that's it for all the um, playoff stuff. Remember, leave your thoughts below. And again, leave your thoughts on who's going to win Game 7 here. Because 
if the Nuggets like go off like they have the last two games, it's going to be hard for the Clippers to stop. But also, the Clippers are just that good of a team that they could just um, honestly they, they've shown sometimes at sometimes at series that they're going to be able to dominate the Nuggets. So it can really go either way. But I just can't wait to see how this goes. So leave your predictions down below. We're going to go through one topic before we go to the end of this podcast, and we're going to talk about. Um, Paul Pierce comments because he he said earlier um, he said this weekend that if he was still in the NBA he would be averaging 50 be, um, if his prime self was in today's NBA and he was basically saying like oh all this like head checking all this you know three point shooting how soft it is in the league now I'd be averaging 50 points and let's be honest I mean I'm not talking about I, I didn't do this topic just to talk about Paul Pierce I did this topic because a lot of older players um, always talk about you know how this league is just so much softer now, and that they're gonna that they would have so much more success now. Like you talk, you see people like Gary Payton. You see in the past, you've heard Paul Pierce. Now you hear so many of these like old like retired players saying like, "Oh, I would be such a beast now." They're they're so soft here. Like it's it's so hard. <laughs> I mean, like the players now are so much more skillful um, since from the players back then. And it's not because, you know, it's a whole new batch of players. It's just the game evolving. The game just evolves into, like, a more skillful game. And honestly, like, it's gonna it's just so hard to see, like, older players in this generation and these players into that generation. It's nearly impossible. But even, like, if you think about Paul Pierce in his prime, a near 30-point-per-game scorer, uh, perennial all-star, put him in today's NBA, he's not going to average more than 32 points. Let's be completely honest. And that's being generous. And that's not saying that Paul Pierce is not a good player. It's just the way the the NBA is. Just no one does that. J- very few play p- people can do that. And and I'm just talking about James Harden, really. When he really puts his mind to it, he can score near like over 35 points a game. But that's just so hard, so rare in today's NBA. And it's just like there's just so very few players where even I can think about like they can just transcend generations. People like LeBron, people like Kobe come to mind, people like Jordan. But there's still very few and far between. And it's not like I'm just saying like these older players are going to be bad in this generation. It's just a whole new game. And it's the same thing back then. You put some today's players into the last generation, it's a whole different game. And I wanted, I just wanted to stop the whole narrative about, you know, be like this guy would be great here, this guy would be great there. It just not we're just not gonna be able to know what happened. It's a good discussion point, but we're just not good, we're just never gonna know, and that's the plain truth about it. And you know, I, sometimes I get tired of these older guys just talking about them like saying like people like Paul Pierce saying you know I'm gonna be I would be averaging 50 in this league because no one really knows, no one does, and knowing you, Paul Pierce, like it's, it it wouldn't be that case. So yeah, I just want to get my thoughts on that and just like. Just kind of like stop the narrative that you know we'll just never know like from past generations to future generations this game is going to change throughout and we're just gonna have to like live and just like enjoy the fact that the um nba the nba is evolving and this is a thing a good place where we're gonna end today's episode thank you guys for watching again before i end this podcast gotta remind you of the um gotta remind myself remind you guys about the bigger um, you know, issues at hand, the whole Black Lives Matter thing, there's, from what I've read, they're finally putting, um, they're taking, um, the Breonna Taylor case to the head judge, so hopefully justice is served there, 
but it doesn't stop there. You know, keep pressuring your politicians, um, those in power, to help change these laws. There was a report like a few days ago saying like um, these protesters were um, blocking off the bus, saying um, asking these NBA players to like you know help them and uh, in this fight, you know, with Black Lives Matter and all that. But they can't do everything. Us as a people, we have to pressure our politicians and make the, the, the right decisions. The election is coming up. I'm not in the U.S., but I still urge people to vote because this elections are huge and you it just helps like, get your voice out there. Every vote matters. So, yeah, good thing the NBA season is going on. The conference finals are coming up soon. That's going to be great. But just remember that there are bigger, um, you know, bigger tax tests at hand here, like bigger issues. But I think this is where we're going to end it. Thank you guys for watching. Remember, if you're on YouTube, like, share, and subscribe. If you're on any of the podcast networks, do your thing. Um, show your support. And remember to follow me at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content. Thank you guys for taking out of your day to watch this. And I will be back on Wednesday with another recap. Maybe I might do a preview tomorrow. You'll have to wait and see. But yeah, um, I hope you all guys have a great day. Um, thank you for support, all the support on the pod. And I'm going to continue to bring out some great content over the next few days, weeks, hopefully months. But yeah, this is where we're going to end it. Thank you guys for watching, slash listening. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Take it easy, guys. Peace.